Ladies, welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female podcast. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. And I'm your co-host, Jenny Joy. And this is Shannon's part two of her journey. As you know, if you tuned in last week, she's continuing to tell her story after being proposed by her soulmate. Of course, I said yes. And so it wasn't too long after that, maybe a year or so that we get married. And of course, we just want a bunch of cash for presents because we're going to buy a bunch of dope with it. (laughs) But we did go to Hawaii and for our honeymoon which I really don't remember a lot of it. And I just came home the other night and he was watching a video that he had made while we were in Hawaii. I was like, I don't even remember this. I'm like, so glad we have video of it. But what I do remember is like being loaded, getting loaded a lot. And there's one thing that sticks out. We go to this restaurant that's like right on the water. So part of it's open and we're sitting at a table where the waves are rolling in. And I mean, when you're on dope and especially because we did Coke with it too. Mm, oh man. <laughs> and pork and or crack, mostly Coke. Then I didn't eat a lot. I was like teeny tiny, but I also would get nauseous a lot. And so I don't know what happened, but I'm sitting at that table and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to be sick. I get up and I'm trying to make my way to the bathroom through a packed restaurant. I don't make it. Mm. I just projectile vomit. <sighs> Into the closest bush I can see. Oh my goodness. And then I go into the bathroom and I don't even make it to the toilet. I hit again now the sink. It was so embarrassing. And I just come out and like, we gotta go. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Clean I can't up stay. On Seriously. <laughs> so at what, point, at what point in your life did you decide this isn't how I want to live? Was it when your child was born? Well, we did get sober before that happened. And we just, you know, it spirals rather quickly. So we were using for a few years and it can't keep jobs, start getting arrested, like the whole thing. And then of all things, I decided I'm going to go. No, this was a different time. I don't even remember how I got. Oh, we got, I went into a rehab. I mm. went into a few rehabs and then would leave. And then, but I, I was able to get sober and it, and he did as well. So we both went into rehab. And then it's at that point after we came out then, and we were sober for a little while that it was like, let's try and have a baby, you know, less than a year sober. I don't even know. So we're like, yeah. And within a couple of weeks of trying, I'm pregnant. And then it hit me. Like I kind of freaked out like, oh my mm. God, I'm pregnant. I mean, tears were just streaming down my face. Like my whole oh, life's about to change, you yes. know, this is real. And I stayed sober during the pregnancy, which is, is a miracle really, because I hadn't done any work to stay sober. I wasn't working on any of the stuff, you totally know, white knuckling. Right. It, huh? mm-hmm. Our son was born in 2000 in April. And it wasn't long after his birth that I started smoking pot and drinking. So I was working in the animal field for a really long time. And so then I started taking some of the opioids, just started with pills from work. I'm like, oh, you know, I was controlling the books. So yeah. I'm just a few extra here and there. Yeah. The horse doesn't yeah. need <laughs> And then every then I started, you know, running downtown to score mm-hmm. L.A., and then was your husband sober he, at this time? Or? So because I was drinking and smoking pot, which I think he was doing that with me. It's hard for me to remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But when I kind of, when I finally came clean and said, look, this is what I've been doing. He just went out completely with me. Mm-hmm. And so then we had a little baby and we're both heroin addicts. And we just went right just in full force and picked up 
kind of where we were before. And, you know, every moment that I would look at that little boy and have some clarity about what I was doing, it was so devastating because I, when I was younger, I was always like, I'm never going to do this Mm -hmm. to my kid. What my mom did to me, I'll never. All I could do was get loaded and try to like not feel that Mm -hmm. because I didn't know, I didn't have any other tools at that time. So we start getting arrested again, losing jobs. And when my son was two, I was arrested and got bailed out. And within two weeks, I was back in to Twin Towers in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. At any time, did they try to take your child away from you? So that last arrest, it was just me and my son. And all of the arrests were theft. It was never drug charges. I'm just trying to like maintain my habit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I would use him and the baby bag a lot to like stuff things into. And so a lot of times it was all three of us, but Christian wasn't with me. And I decided I'm going to go out because I need, I'm getting sick. You know, I need to get well. Mm-hmm. And we got arrested. We, my son didn't get arrested, but I got arrested. <laughs> with your son. <laughs> with Baby my Joe. son. And well, we'll get back to that in a minute. <laughs> they let me call someone to pick him up, which thank God, because I have friends who their kids got put in the system. And so mm. I wasn't getting out on bail that time. In fact, I was looking at prison. Wow. I was like pleading with my court appointed attorney like I have a drug problem and this is way before the opioid epidemic so this is not like rampant like mm-hmm. it is today it's just like you're a junkie you're low life you know what I mean Getting it's not together. like right, right what's your problem yeah. just stop doing that right. <laughs> so you know I'm like I would not have been stealing if it wasn't for this addiction that I have and I need help I need help please help me so they actually found a path for me I was sentenced to 16 months I had already done three months in Twin Towers. And they sent me to a prison called Family Foundations in San Diego. Okay. And it's for women who have to meet a whole bunch of criteria with their record, like no violent offenses. And, you know, you can't have a super long record. And you have to either be pregnant or have a child six years or under. Wow. And they only take like 30 women. Oh, really? Yeah. And so I qualified. And so they sent me in because they had a, an opening. And I was, I arrived there, you know, transported on, they call it the gray goose. Those of you who've never been arrested at all. <laughs> Those of you who've never been, it's called the gray I mean, goose. <laughs> I'm shackled like a freaking yeah. <laughs> murderer you, uh, down to my ankles. I'm Theft. Okay. Petty theft. Let me remind you. Yeah. CDs and DVDs. Oh I mean, gosh. whatever I could get my hands on, but yeah. But when you were in those Twin Towers for three months, mm-hmm. you didn't have access to drugs. So how was that cold turkey being in there and not having your fix? I told them that I was, you know, a heroin addict and that, and um, they're used to this, right? So they put me in the medical Mm-hmm. pods mm-hmm. and they put me on medication to start to ease the symptoms for me kicking it still sucks and you're in jail and these pods have like a main living area and then you have cells with two people i'm in a cell and this one woman gets put in i'm on this medication that i have to take in the evening that like zonks me out and i wake up in the middle of the night to this she's like huge samoan woman sexually assaulting me (gasps) and I couldn't do anything about it I couldn't barely move like I was so this medication had me just essentially she probably knew that that's what the medication would do to you yeah and she you know because I kind of woke up a little bit she was moved the next day and I don't know if she requested that or if 
the guards knew something hmm. because you know there's no privacy it's not like they're the door mm-hmm. is completely solid but yeah you know it's just another one of those like well this is my fault <laughs> you know i put myself in the situation and this is what happens but isn't that the message that we as women have received most of our lives mm-hmm. especially you know when i was growing yeah. up and where I grew up. It's like, well, what were you wearing? You got sexually assaulted. Or and watching where were you? And you were blaming. drinking? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And watching the things that happened to your mother, you yeah. know, you were you were in the same similar situation where you think it's my fault, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of whether or not it is. It's not your fault for being, I mean, I guess it is your fault for being in jail, but it's, it's not okay for her to have done that to you. Mm-hmm. 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 Even if you were zonked out, mm-hmm. you right. you know, male or female, it is your body. Right. And you didn't course. give her permission to do that. Yeah. So one thing that we don't talk about when we talk about people who've gone to prison is that just because you're a female doesn't mean that there aren't other females out there right. that are going to sexually abuse you. Exactly. It doesn't just happen in male prisons. Mm-hmm. And don't try to tell this story to a man because he thinks it's awesome. Like I've had this experience too. Okay. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> That Help is, somebody. Yeah, that is not awesome. <laughs> no. no, it is not awesome. But so, you know, I I was basically detoxed by the time I ended up in this other place. And they had to have me there for about a month before they would let my son come in. So my son was in prison with me for mm. almost a year. Wow. wow. And I was the only woman that was actually married to my child's father. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let any of the other kids leave with the father unless they were married. I don't know why that was a weird rule. So mm-hmm. my son was the only one that got to go out for visitation, like actually got to leave the facility. But, you know, it was like the hardest, but the best thing that ever happened mm-hmm. to me. And while I was in Twin Towers, I had like mountaintop moment. I was just like, this is crazy. Like I can't, I have, I don't have any more answers. I just keep getting mired deeper, deeper into the abyss and mm-hmm. I need to do something different. So I, I like prayed for the first time, not ever, but in a long time and was like, help, please help me. There's got to be a, something out there greater than me. I need mm-hmm. help. And, you know, then to me, the answer was this family foundations prison and being able to have my son with me, had his third birthday in there. Mm. Does he remember that time or no? He, when he was a lot younger every once in a while he'd be like what was that one place where we lived <laughs> and dad wasn't there you know yeah and in the meantime my husband was able to get sober and was doing well for some time and he was like in a sober living but then the whole house went out and he went out and he came to pick up my son and it's not like we had got to talk in that transaction i could just look through the door and i saw him and i knew that he was loaded and i was like oh my god Mm -hmm. my son's leaving with him but my brother-in-law was with them and so i talk about being like powerless i couldn't just call out and be like what the heck you know he just took my son and i know you're loaded so when he brought him back he had had a visit with me and like i'm telling you this is my person he's my soulmate it was the hardest thing i ever had to do i told him like you got to get clean because when Damien and I get out of here, I'm not coming back to using, like mm-hmm. we'll die. Yeah. I, there were times that I almost died when I was out there. And it's like jails, institutions or death. death. That's what you learn in 12 step. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, let's, I'm already, I'm ticking these things off. Let's not go there. Right. And I don't know that an ultimatum is the way to go all the time, but it's what I needed to do in that moment. 
and he got it together. Thank God. That's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible, actually, that both of you guys used to use together heroin specifically yeah. and that you're still together today. Because when I first went into treatment and I was in a relationship with a junkie, you know, they told me, you guys are not going to last. Your relationship is not going to last. Yeah. It's literally like a 1% chance. And at that time, I didn't believe it. Now he's in prison due right. to his addiction. But that is so rare and so amazing that you like guys... magical unicorn It really is. Relationships. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. We've been married over 21 years. Wow. Our son is 19. We have a very, very healthy, oh. happy family dynamic. That's awesome. Because my son, you know, I've been able, both of us, to make living amends to him every day. Amazing. And we have done so much work on ourselves, which brings me to sobriety. Mm -hmm. So I've been sober over 17 years now. I did AA for a lot of it, mm -hmm. probably the first 14, 15 years, sponsor and sponsoring and going to meetings regularly. I have stopped going to meetings in the last couple of years, but only because I've had some really huge shifts, turning points in my life. First of all, I know right where I need to go if I need it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I was starting to you know, a lot of the going to meetings is this rehashing of your story. Totally. And for me, I was walking out of there not feeling so great about myself because I know that's not who I am anymore. And I had done so much work and to just bring it back to the surface all of the time was making me feel ill almost. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's got to be a different way. And I know that there is because my husband doesn't do 12 step mm -hmm. and he's been sober almost as long as I have been sober. You know, he's just got a little under a year behind me because of that time that he went out when I was in prison. And I used to not trust that. I was like, are right. you sure? I'm looking at his <laughs> eyes. Like, how can you be sober? Because I've been told in AA, if you're not going to meetings mm -hmm. or if you're, you know, you're going to drink or use. And it's, you know, and there's this fear put into you for good reasons. It's right. like me to keep people's asses in their seats and do the freaking work. Yeah, to get so he well. did it cold turkey without going to meetings or having yeah. a sponsor that last time he just like asked his dad please put me in a hotel room and he got wow. freaking sober wow that just yeah. shows how much he really loves you honestly yeah. like because you gave him the ultimatum and he loved you and your son mm -hmm. more than he loved heroin yeah which when someone has an addictive personality and an addictive behavior we were just talking about that because both of our fathers are alcoholics i mean it it we're I'm in my 30s. She's in her 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Late 20s. Yes. <laughs> it's hard even now to know that my dad chose, you know, alcohol over me. Yeah. You know, but to know that your husband chose you and your son and the love that you guys have shows a lot of his character. Honestly, it does. Yeah. He's a really good guy. It does. It shows a lot. It makes me tear up because mm -hmm. it's like, it's not that it's very unusual to find that kind of love, mm -hmm. honestly. But what I was going to ask you was, how did you get into Reiki and becoming a healer and a yoga teacher? How did that come into your world? Well, after sobriety, I had a really big shift because I was going to church. We we're going to church and this woman comes in and tells us about this trip to Africa. And I literally felt like I got bonked on the head and I like sunk down in the pew and then tears just start streaming wow. down my face. And I looked at my husband I'm like, we're supposed to go. Now, meanwhile, we have no money. We had just, because after I paroled, had to, he was living at his parents and we're all now the family living in his parents' house. 
And we just barely got an apartment and jobs. We had no sort of financial stability to take, you know, four grand to go on this trip. So I was like, I don't know how we're supposed to go, but we're supposed to go. So we just start showing up to the meetings to like help and be of service with fundraisers or whatever, you know, needed to be done. And was like, we really want to go, but we don't have the money to do it. And so by the deadline, someone paid for both of us to go on this trip. Wow. Totally so, meant to be there. Yeah. So we go and I just, it was like so mind opening, you know, to like outside of my little world that I had been in, especially as an alcoholic and an addict, everything's about me, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even in sobriety, when you're going That's to meetings, you're talking about yourself, everything's about you. And it was just, it just sort of blew my mind, the hospitality that we experienced there and the love that we experienced there and just different culture and all of that. So we started like leading groups ourselves. We started, we were on fire. We came back, we started like working in our own communities or going down to Skid Row. We've started a laundry love in Huntington Beach. We've been running for over seven and a half years where homeless and low-income families come to do laundry and we provide the money and the soap and the whatever and hot meals. And I mean, we haven't stopped since that first trip, which is 2006. We have not stopped. Wow. We're going to either Belize and Africa and we were sort of alternating those every other year, helping with building schools and um, rainwater harvesting tanks and that sort of stuff. So that was like one huge turning point, like, oh, it's more than me. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, let's go this direction. And that service, which is something you learn in, in 12 step as well, was such a huge catapult forward into a different knowing of myself. And then I found yoga during that process. And I was like, whoa, you know, it was like (laughs) praying with words is one thing, but Mm -hmm. praying with your body is like a whole nother experience and the breath and everything. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite quotes from BKS Iyengar is that my body is the temple, my breath, the prayer. And it's like, yes, that's the experience I'm having on the mat. And so about two years into yoga, I decided to do my first teacher training in 2010. And I had no intention to teach. I really, really just wanted to know more about what was happening. My Everything was changing in like yeah. the best possible way. And then about halfway through that program, I was like, I need to, I got to share this. Just like AA is like, give it away to keep it. Yeah. That's what I know. So I'm going to teach. Mm-hmm. And I started teaching immediately after my training. And I've been teaching ever since almost 10 years. And that has been a journey of growth in itself, just continuing to learn and doing more trainings. Of course, I've done, I'm a 500 hour um, experienced yoga teacher. I've taught, you know, thousands of hours mm-hmm. and I've run my own trainings now. I used to assist with other studios trainings and this other guy who owns the studio asked me to come in and create a yoga teacher training. And so this is my fifth year running training with, you know, at that wow. studio, but it's mine. Like the agreement was like, okay, I'll do this, but when you're going to pay me to write this program and two, it's mine. So if I leave, it comes with me. Mm, yeah. And then in that couple of years ago, I, you know, I had heard about Reiki, but I really didn't know what it was. But a couple of years ago, my husband and I were traveling through India for about a month. And in some of these sacred cities, the vibration is so incredibly high. Like you can, it's palpable and you can just like, whoa, this is, there's magic in the mm-hmm. air. What's going on? Yeah. But I had a super clear voice, almost like that time where I got bunked mm-hmm. on the head, you know, in church. I was like, I'm a healer. I was like, that's the voice. I'm a healer. I'm a healer. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> and then I told my husband, I'm like, I'm a healer. He's like, okay. You know, <laughs> prove it. <laughs> I was that's like, awesome. I'm supposed to follow this healing path. I had no, I've just like learned to listen 
to the still small voice mm-hmm. and not the loud voice between the ears. That's what, you know, one of the biggest benefits of yoga. And so I, again, I had heard of Reiki, had no idea what it was, but then I said, I'm supposed to do Reiki training. When we get home, I'm going to do Reiki training. Now, meanwhile, I'm walking around with the same computer in my pocket that I had before I said this. I never looked it up. That's not like me. I didn't bother to even investigate what Reiki Mm -hmm. was. I get home. I still did not look it up. I'm teaching. I've been home maybe a week or two and this woman's in my class and I didn't get to see her at the front desk coming in. And so I'm giving her an adjustment. So I talked to her afterwards. And for whatever reason, I share this story with her that I'm supposed to do Reiki training. I had this revelation in India. She goes, well, I'm a Reiki master and I'm doing a training in two weeks. Wow. And so without hesitation, I said, well, I'm supposed to do training with you. (laughs) (laughs) I just learned to follow the message, right? Right. (laughs) So I signed up and did my level one and level two training that weekend. And then the following Friday, my mother took her own life. She actually shot herself in the head. And I... You know, I'm on this like upward trajectory. And meanwhile, I know she'd been suffering like she over the holidays. She had gone to my to her mother's, my grams, and was there for some weeks because I had called. I'm like, why are you at grams during Christmas? Like what's going on? Because she's still married at the time. And she's like, well, I've been drinking heavily again because she had kind of stopped. She's been having seizures for years and she's been on medications and She's just been, not been healthy. And um, then you add alcohol on top of that. And so she came to kind of dry out and to figure some stuff out. But, you know, this is a woman who has so much pain, so much trauma, no tools whatsoever, never done anything to deal with it. And of course, I've talked to her over the years of like how she could approach things and how and do you want me to help you and how can we get help and you know, she lives out in the middle of nowhere on like 32 acres of mm. land. And the couple times she'd try to go to meetings out in the sticks, it's like she just didn't want to share because. Again, going ev- back to the right, South. <laughs> everybody would know her business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she had also just lost a friend of hers who was an alcoholic and had passed. And I was her best friend since high school. So mm-hmm. she was just in a lot of pain and it was all sort of coming to a head. And, you know, the crazy thing is that she had texted me that day about, you know, because prior we were talking about my son was about to graduate high school and she wanted to come down and be there for the graduation, of course. And she would come visit us, you know, once a year, sometimes every two years. And so she sent me a text reminder, like, what's, what's going on with your schedule and when can I come? And so I just called, I just picked up the phone instead of texting her and I'm talking to her and I could tell like she was really down and like, what's going on, you know? And The thing that our relationship, even though it was still sort of a little lopsided, me being more parental than her sometimes, you know, I was like, I could tell that she was down. But what I do a lot is make her laugh and she loves it, you know, and just Mm -hmm. hearing her laugh and us laughing together. And but by the end of it, you know, there was this point where I was like, Mom, you know, if you don't do something about this, these are my last words to my mother, you guys. (laughs) I'm like, if you don't do something about this, you're going to die or you're going to be alive and it's going to feel like you're dead. And then the phone just goes so quiet. I thought we got disconnected. And I'm like, hello. And she's like, I'm here. And I could tell she was like choking up. And I'm like, mom, I love you. And we hang up. And about two hours later, I get a phone call from my stepdad that she's gone. And I knew it when I saw his name. I just knew it because Mm -hmm. she had attempted to take her life. Like prior to going to her 
moms to dry out like three times. And she had told me all the ways she had tried. I'm like, mom, you really need help. You need help. You can't do this on your own. Yeah. So she, you know, she found a way. Like he had taken the guns away and then she was like, I'm here by myself. I'm fine. You need to, I need to have the guns for protection. Yeah. You know, and she had been drinking that day and he came home and she had dinner. And then after she went upstairs and because he got a phone call and he was on the phone and and she shot herself. And you knew before you even answered the phone. Yeah, I knew right away. We're in, we're at Disneyland. Oh my goodness. In the middle of all that chaos. What was Happiest place on earth. What was the first thing that. (laughs) you thought of when you heard the actual words she's gone i mean i was devastated i don't i don't know i was just trying to get out of disneyland because mm-hmm. it was like i'm like wow. trying not to be a complete hysterical mess yeah and my boys my husband and my son are just holding me oh god yeah and so we get out and I mean, God, why is it so long to get to your freaking car from Disneyland? <laughs> Seriously. Like, and take a tram and then take, you know, five escalators. And so uh, we get home and my in-laws come over and we're just making plans to head out to Mississippi and, you know, making arrangements for our son and and just got there. And my my stepdad was kind of a mess. And then I just kind of went into like taking care of business mode. Mm-hmm. And That's all you can do. A funeral and wrote a eulogy and just getting checking all Checklist. the boxes. Yeah. And Did she leave you anything like a note or no note? I mean, you know, she was really loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she, the meds she was on for so long, she was sort of just out of it a lot. She had, had so many seizures and so many blows to the head. Mm. Kind of reminds me of like what the NFL players are going through. It's mm. like a lot of times they end up being suicidal or yeah. homicidal, right. right? Because they've had so many. Um, head traumas, physical trauma. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was just a combination of all of her hurt and pain that she never dealt with, all of these head traumas, all of the medication, alcohol, you name it. And it's yeah. just like she had that courageous moment because when she was telling me about trying to take her life, she's like, Shannon, I don't know why I would try to do that. I would never do that to my family. So she's like having these like out of her mind experiences mm-hmm. and and she just had like some dumb courage for a minute. And shot herself and women don't normally shoot themselves no. in the head that's not how a lot of women typically a, a way that a man i have a couple yeah. friends who um their fathers committed suicide and that's exactly how they did it mm-hmm. so it's been about a little over a year since yeah. her suicide i don't know if there's ever a peace that comes after a tragedy like that do you think that you have found any peace I in have, this last year yeah because i'm you know i've gone on with this reiki healing practice. I've become a Reiki master in, in a couple of different types of Reiki healing. I knew I was always empathic and intuitive. And so this is kind of also crazy. That first training, I had never even received Reiki. I still didn't even know what it was. I just showed up and <laughs> like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so after I got back from, you know, the funeral and all of that stuff, I just made an appointment with my teacher for Reiki And in that very first ever session, my mom came in immediately and I felt her. She was like on the side of my face and she started talking. Yeah, it was crazy. She's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just kept that's all that was coming through. And I'm just like, it's okay. I mean, I wasn't speaking that verbally, but I was telling her it's okay. And I understand and I love you and I forgive you. And like, please be at peace with all of that. 
And then, you know, which hap- what happens a lot in sessions is the practitioner is also intuitively connected to what's going on. And after the session, I didn't say a word about this. And my teacher is talking to me. And she goes, your mom was here. And I was like, yes, I know. I felt her. She goes, she just kept saying she was sorry. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, she could hear that, too. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, And she had other things to tell me about that. And I had a few other encounters during Reiki. And then also, I I mean, she visits me all the time. I'm so open now because of this healing path and sort of just unlocking different and deeper dimensions of myself. You know, this surface level of existence where a lot of people are living and where have been most of my life is like totally not it, Mm -hmm, everybody. There's so much more. There's like layers of existence Mm -hmm. that we can begin to penetrate and illuminate through practices of yoga, not just physical yoga, but pranayama and meditation, Mm -hmm. mindfulness and, you know, right attitudes and behaviors. and, And then Reiki just took it to the next level for me. So, you know. She visits me in dreams in, in the sense that I know she's like, I'll know I'm dreaming and go, mm-hmm. wait, mom's here. Like I w- have a lucid dream. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. had a handful of these and I'll those get all excited. Awesome. I'm like, mom's here. Oh, yeah. You know, she's visiting me. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome. My dad yeah. passed away 13 years ago and I, I have lucid dreams with my dad. Mm-hmm. And when I, he's there, I'm like, yay, my dad's here. Oh. I get to visit him. Yes. You know, and in your dreams, they're whole and perfect. Totally. And they're healthy and And those are the best because it's like now you remember them in a good way versus the way you remembered them when they were last here. Mm -hmm. Yes. But do you forgive yourself? Like, because as I'm listening to your story, which is, by the way, so incredible. And you've had such a fearless female journey that I'm just like, both of us, we haven't even asked that many questions because we're just listening to you intently. Enthralled. Mm. Have you forgiven yourself? Because I remember earlier in the conversation, you were saying, you know, sometimes I look back and I think, I, you know, it's hard for me to talk about my story because that's not no longer you. But I was just listening again to another podcast. I love Oprah. <laughs> but she was talking to, I believe, I don't remember who the author was now, but he was saying that, you know, death is inevitable for all of us. But I think that people forget that we die all the time, like our old self dies all the time, Mm -hmm. like us being a a child, us being a teenager, Mm -hmm. us being a college student or in our 20s. That person that we were then is no longer the person you are now. So have you forgiven the person that obviously, like you said, didn't have the tools to be a 12 year old or Mm -hmm. to be a mother or to be, you know, a, a wife or a girlfriend like you had no clue. You were never given those tools. So do you stop? Do you ever stop to think like, I shouldn't blame my younger self because honestly, she really didn't have the tools and you've forgiven her, like your younger self? Yes. And totally, I have forgiven. And I, that's sort of the main reason I couldn't keep telling that same old story anymore. Because I was like, I'm so far beyond this. Like this doesn't feel like a healing path anymore. Mm-hmm. And I've done so much. I've told my story so many times in the rooms of AA and in speaker meetings and all of that stuff. And and that's really valuable to help the person who needs to hear that and understand that you can come out the other side of that. But for me, you know, I continue to be a healing force in so many people's lives 
If you come to my yoga classes, like come in a yoga church, okay, everybody? <laughs> like this Sounds is not just yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm ready. I want to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Like we're, I'm going to be preaching a little bit in the best yeah. possible way. Just little nuggets. And hopefully you come back and come back until yeah. it drops in and down and it, yeah. and it lands. Because, mm. you know, the magic is happening and I just keep unfolding. And even in the last year so much, even with the the trauma of my mother, it's like, uh, when I was in India, I went and saw an Ayurvedic doctor and she like did tests and looked at my chakras and my aura. And she goes, she's like, I want you to look at this. And my husband was in there with me. She goes, you're a saint. Aww. I looked at my husband like, I told you. <laughs> I'm like, did you hear this? Officially, <laughs> officially, it's been proven. She's like, next time I ask you to wash the dishes, <laughs> right. listen to the saint. <laughs> the next thing she said was like, what happened to you between the age of birth and seven years old. And I just lost it. I was like, how does she got my number so mm-hmm. much? Like, and I'm, I was telling her a little brief story and she's like, you know, are you ready to be free from that? I'm like, yes, I'm so ready because I've had like chronic issues mm, from yeah. all of the stuff I've held on to, even with all of the work I'd done. So from that point forward and then getting the message that I'm a healer and then acting on it, it's just like, boom, I'm doing the thing. It's like, Universe says, taps me on the shoulder and says, go this direction. I don't question it anymore. Yeah. I just go. And, you know, it's been interesting, right, to trust yourself as that Mm -hmm. healing force in the world because those old stories want to come back in. Mm -hmm. But I continue to receive healing myself. I was going every two weeks for Reiki when I first came home and then, you know, every three and then I'm still going once a month for myself and I see multiple different healers and I do yoga and I, you know, it's just like I'm staying spiritually fit so that I don't get caught up in the level of the personality Mm -hmm. or the strategizing mind, because that's where we get in trouble. That's the space of duality. That's where we Mm -hmm. experience that separateness and suffering. And it's like, that's not the truth. And I know that, Mm -hmm. you know, to the core of my being and all of that stuff that happened was part of my growing process. Mm -hmm. And it was all necessary for me to be where I'm at now. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, glad that that stuff happened. It it did. Mm -hmm. And so how can I grow from it? How can I expand from it? And that's been my journey, especially in the last few years. It's just like that story that's been going on loop in my brain. That's not who I am. Mm -hmm. And I'm done with it. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. So (laughs) as we wrap up this episode, it's been a long one, but it's so good. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so much that you've taught us and just listening to your journey and knowing just so much that you've been through and knowing that it has not changed you. Instead, now you're using all of it as your journey and to be able to heal people. Because for somebody who's felt and done everything that you've gone through, I mean, you have every right to be angry at the world, you know, but instead you're like complete opposite of that. And you want to heal the world because mm-hmm. you see that all of that is from suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so what would be your nugget of wisdom for those that are in the journey that you've described or feeling lost or feeling as if they don't have a voice? So, you know, I, I didn't think about this ahead of time. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. But I think that when you're in pain, it can be hard to see the other side, but to just trust and know that people have made it to the other side and experienced things beyond the imagination, not just healing, but wholeness, 
true contentment and true joy. And, you know, like most humans, I still have the unwinding of some painful conditioning that I've experienced Mm -hmm. when I start to realize like, ooh, I'm still hanging on to this. It's time to let go. But it gets so much easier the more we do the work, right? And then we can go, oh man, that's that's an old story. That's a limiting belief. Mm -hmm. And I choose to let that go. And so today it's about affirming language. It's about, you know, it's not like I need to heal this. I need to heal. I am healed. I am healed. And instead of thinking like, I still got to work on my heart chakra, you know, (laughs) what a drag. I can't believe I'm not open. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, I am healed. I choose to affirm and move into the space of healing rather than I am broken because that's what the other language is is saying. Mm -hmm. Just moving into that space will shift you. That is awesome. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. And I'm your co-host, Jenny Joy. You can find us at Fearless Female Podcast on Instagram. You can find me at Jenny Joy Happy on Instagram. You can find me at Paola Rosser. How can the listeners find Shannon? I have a website, shannoncassoff.com. And the last name is K-A-S-S-O-F-F. My Instagram is Shannon Cassoff, and so is my Facebook. Perfect. And where can they take your yoga classes? I'm at Yoga Tribe in Huntington Beach. Yoga Works in Costa Mesa. Ekam Yoga in Newport Beach. Wow. All right. Look for Shannon if you're ready to take some yoga classes. Mm -hmm. Or find me on my website for Reiki. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to use Reiki. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Tune in next week for another episode. Thank you again for listening and taking your time out of your day to listen to this podcast. If you guys don't know, only 22% of the podcast world is made up of females. Please support us. Please support your fellow fearless female and rate, subscribe, and share this episode with your girls. Thank you and goodbye. Bye.